The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine. Today's show is coming to you on Friday, one day after the Giants' preseason opening victory over the New York Jets. And to be honest, This is the Daniel Jones Show. It's the Daniel Jones edition of the podcast. That's really what we have to talk about today is Jones' debut. And here to to help us break it down is quarterback analyst extraordinaire, Big Blue View contributor, locked on podcast network quarterback analyst, and Lord knows what else he's into these days. It's the great Mark Schofield. How you doing, Mark? Uh, I'm doing well, and it's a pleasure to be with you. I don't know what else I'm getting into these days. I I lose track of it myself, but it's 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 fun to be here. I'm excited to be here because the era of unbridled optimism, I think it's here for Giants fans, and they should be feeling pretty good this morning. Well, you know, you coined that phrase last night, and and I I have to admit, I've got to give you I've got to give you some props. We were online last night during the uh, during the rain delay, weather delay uh, at MetLife Stadium last night, and I sort of kiddingly reached out to you, and and I said, "Hey, Mark, can you have that that Daniel Jones film study that we had talked about for Friday afternoon?" I said, "Can you have that done before the game's over?" And your response was, "I'm already on the fourth throw." Look, I, when that went into delay, and I thought in the back of my mind, and you and I actually were talking about this, that you know maybe they just should sit him down, just let him finish that way, and it ended up playing out that way. I thought, if nothing else, even if he goes on and throws like two interceptions, and he comes back to this game and throws two picks, that open drive is going to be the storyline. People will not want to talk about anything else but that. So I thought it was time to write it. And I was literally like I was finishing up the fourth row when you pinned me. Although I do have to give some credit though. The, the that phrase, the era of unbridled optimism. I stole that from Tony Kornheiser of all people. Living here in the DC area when the Nationals signed Steven Strasburg and he had his debut and struck out I think like 16 Indians. 
Cornrise was on the radio the next day calling it the era of unbridled optimism. And he's used that about the Redskins, you know, sparingly. But I thought it fit. Look, when you have a draft process and a preseason and all of this talk that Daniel Jones wasn't worth the sixth overall pick, people like me were crushing it. Look, I was as guilty of it as anybody. For him to come out and go five for five for 67 and a touchdown and look the way he did, I thought it was a tremendous answer. Obviously, yes. A lot of football left for him this preseason, let alone regular season snaps. Things will get tougher. He'll see tougher, tougher defenses, tougher looks, more exotic packages. But on this one night, I think it's fair for Giants fans to be walking a little bit proud today, puff that chest out a bit because this was a great debut for him. Well, first thing I have to say about that is I love Tony Kornheiser, although I haven't listened to him and I don't really watch Pardon the Interruption, but I haven't, and I haven't heard Kornheiser on the radio for a while. But you really should have kept credit for the era of unbridled optimism, I, Mark. You should have just, you should have I know, just, I should have just rolled with it. You should but have just I, taken credit for that one. I can't, you never do that. I mean, I'm, I'm just an, a softie at heart. I'm always terrified that I'm going to write something and fail to like give credit to some, you know, random person on Twitter that has like 12 followers that have the same idea and I'm going to get crushed for it. So I always like trip over myself to give credit, even when it's not totally warranted. And for our listeners, if you haven't read Mark's piece, Breaking Down Jones' Five Throws, we're talking about era of unbridled optimism because that's basically the way that Mark wrote it after uh, after watching those five throws. And I have a question for you folks, if you haven't read it yet. Why? You know, why? Yeah, right. Come on, get over to Big Blue View and read it because it, it's the best thing you're going to read in, in terms of breakdown of, of Jones' performance last night. So hurry up, get over there, and, and, and give it a read. Any, anyway, Mark, let's, you know, let's, let's talk about Jones a little bit. And obviously, you know, the fan base went a little bit nuts. I had a post going through some of the Twitter reaction done during that weather delay you know i have to say though a 59 minute rain delay or weather delay during a preseason game at night i'm sorry it it let me do a little bit of writing but that's just not cool not no, cool at that, all that's that's rough for everybody i mean i, I know i was talking to patrana you know she's had her schedule thrown off kilter because of it like it's preseason. Like, this is the last thing. I mean, speaking of corners, I'm reminded of when he was doing Monday Night Football and he was worried that, you know, a preseason game was going to go into overtime. I mean, these are things you, you don't want to see delays, overtime, and preseason games. But interestingly enough, and, you know, you're about to hear from Pat Schumer, maybe he'll talk about this, what the plan was for Jones. It made it easy to, after that five for five drive, sit him down and just say, look, kid, your night's done. We're going to go to Tanny. We're going to go to Lauletta now because you had the lawn delay and maybe you didn't want to bring it back after that lull. But yeah, preseason games with 59-minute weather delays, that's pretty rough for everybody. Well, all I know is the best decision that I made because it's two and a half hours for me to get to MetLife Stadium. The best decision I made was to take a hotel room last night and I was I was thanking my lucky stars during that that weather delay that I had done that. Yeah. Anyway, you know, you're absolutely right. I think that it would have been really nice to see Daniel Jones play some more. But 
there's a great argument to be made for he wasn't going to do anything better than he did on that first drive, on that only drive. And maybe the best thing you could could have done for the kid was to let him come out of there, you know, even though he didn't see a whole lot of snaps or maybe as many as you would have liked, just let him come out of there feeling really, really good about his night. Yeah, I think you can't overstate the importance of confidence for a quarterback, particularly a young rookie quarterback who is walking into a situation where so many doubt him and he's walking into this huge media market and what has become somewhat of a difficult situation where you have the veteran quarterback, the big media market, and people on the outside like myself saying, I don't think he was worth the sixth overall pick. And so for him to have the night he did, I think it's a tremendous way to sort of Give the kid that confidence that, look, I'm sure you've read the stories, seen the tweets, whatever you want to say about how you don't belong here. You just went five for five for 67 yards and a touchdown. You definitely belong in this league. Now, down the road, there will be bumps. There will be mistakes. There will be picks, missed reads, fumbles, sacks, whatever. And he could learn from the mistakes then. But on this one night, I, you know, like I told you initially, just – Sit him down. I think it made a ton of sense for him to have this night, have this moment so he knows, all right, look, forget everything else. Forget what everybody else is saying. It's You're damn right I belong in this league. You're damn right I can play quarterback in the NFL. And we'll go on from the learning process from here. You mentioned the phrase, you know, sort of puff your chest out a little bit a couple minutes ago. And I would think the guy who's who's walking a little bit taller this morning – Although he he's not all that tall to begin with, right? And, and at sixty eight years of age, he doesn't really walk all that straight either anymore. But I would think Dave Gettleman is walking just a little taller and a little quicker this morning. I bet he is too. You know, he he should be. And you know, many people, myself included, sort of crushed him for how he handled that first round. But you know, as we sort of got. Out of that post-draft period of time, you could sort of see how maybe it all sort of could make sense. It could work. And if they were going to give Daniel Jones an opportunity to run sort of a, you know, quick game, West Coast-ish type offense with a lot of three-step drop concepts, even one-step drop concepts, work in some, you know, play action and some RPOs and give him some, you know, one or two receiver read type concepts at the outset that he could be successful, that it could work. And sure enough, that's what we saw last night. You look at his five throws, four of which came on first and ten situations, so he's on some good, favorable pass-and-down situations to throw out of. You had a quick game concept on the first throw, that sort of switch concept with a stick and a, an out route, I mean, any kind of an out route. And you've got the RPO slant to Golden Tate. You've got the play-action crosser. Um, and then the touchdown was, you know, flat seven smash, a two-receiver read. I think his best play might have been that, third and eight which is where for the first time we saw a bit of a different look from the Jets defense it was more of an exotic you know look up front a pressure package with some guys in a two-point stance to his left so he couldn't be sure who was coming and if so from where now but when you see him on that play he knows he gets single coverage you know he goes to his best look which is in this case the out route right at the sticks and he speeds up his drop instead of taking your traditional you know three-step drop he really cuts it all short because he knows the pressure is coming and gets it out of his hand with an anticipation throw and so Gettleman he should be you know walking a little tall today or a little taller than usual because the guy he went for at six overall just had a heck of a game and Jones look the production the five for five the 67 the touchdown yeah that's great the 
way he did it, you know, in watching him on each play or like the, you know, I just mentioned with the third and long conversion or that crossing route where he had to sort of freeze that backside flat defender and make sure it doesn't get under that crossing route you want to throw. So sort of manipulate him with his eyes. That's, those are the little things that don't always get caught up, you know, in the production itself that might get sort of missed when you talk about, look, he went five for five for 67 yards on touchdown. That's even better to see. Because that's signs of a young quarterback who's able to do those little things. And when you add all those little things up, those are the things that add up to finishing drives and scoring touchdowns. And that's what we saw last night. I was going to ask you what your favorite throw of of the bunch was. And I think you just kind of answered that already. But I'll say this. The one thing that I had written on Thursday morning, I did a, you know, what should the expectations be? be you know for Jones in his debut and the one thing that I had said was look I've watched him enough in minicamp and through the OTAs and 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 through training camp to know that that what it generally looks like with him is it looks like pro football it looks like he's comfortable it looks like he knows what he's doing and that was kind of the bar that I set last night was you just want him to look like he belongs and he certainly he certainly passed that bar with with flying colors just to show that you know he he looks like he belongs there and it really i mean there's nothing else you can say other than you know this was a very good very encouraging start you know for him to his giants career yeah, I th- I think that's a tremendous way to put it, Ed. And I, I think that is what you wanted to see. You wanted to see this idea that, yeah, he belongs. You know, like I sort of said, yeah, you can do this. Yeah, there's a reason why we drafted you six overall. He didn't look lost. He didn't look overwhelmed by the moment. We've seen that with some other rookie quarterbacks. You could look at, say, Drew Locke. Um, Dwayne Haskins had his struggles last night. You know, I, I studied Clayton Thorson, and he looked like he was sort of overwhelmed by the moment. Um, Daniel Jones didn't look overwhelmed at all. No, he looked confident. He was decisive. Um, as far as his favorite throw, I think it was that third and eight. Although I, I do like the throw on the, the play action, that crosser as well, because of what he had to do. Look, the, the touchdown throw was put in a perfect spot. It was a tremendous throw. And, you know, interestingly enough, it was on a concept that we saw Eli have some trouble with last year. And I put that in the piece where he threw a pick on the same route. Same concept, same coverage, same almost area of the field last year. Um, so it was a tremendous throw and a great way to end that drive. But I, I really like that third and eight, the third and seven conversion as well as the crosser. I thought those were two great throws. But you know, particularly like I said with that third down where he had to sort of you see him, the game's not too fast for him because he knows the pressure is coming, so he speeds up his own process in in response to it. You saw him make an anticipation throw there. You saw it as well on on his first throw where the ball is coming out right in time or a little bit before the break. That's evidence that the quarterback is up to speed here. And so, again, you know, maybe it sounds like I'm gushing a bit, but I was very impressed with what we saw last night. I'm sure there will be bumps along the way, but this was one heck of a start for the kid. Mark, the one thing, one more thing I'm going to ask you before we take a quick break is the one thing we've seen through the spring and the summer with Jones is occasionally when he's a little bit unsure or a little bit confused 
or maybe has to go to a second read, a third read. Uh, just a little bit of hesitation. I think at least one of the interceptions he's thrown in training camp was a ball that, that he threw in a red zone drill that was just thrown a little bit late because I don't think it was his first read. We didn't see any of that hesitation last night at all, did we? No, we didn't. And, you know, part of it was, look, the, the route concepts that he ran, I think the three of them at least, you know, the slant, the in cut, and the out route, um, the ex-ISO out route, those were all his primary read, his first read. So he didn't have to sort of go one to two to three. There was no real decision-making in that sense in terms of a progression read decision-making process. The other two throws, the, the cross route off of play action and then that flat seven smash concept, those are sort of like high-low one to two receiver reads there. But – completely decisive you know people might say look it took a while for that throw to come out on the crossing route but that was a slow development play to begin with when you've got that sort of outside zone look off of play action with the crossing route to come across the field and yeah it takes a while to develop it wasn't in a situation where he was trying to make up his mind he knew exactly where he wanted to go with the football he just had to let that route come clear clear the linebackers and then get to that area of the field where you've got that route out of the backfield to the running back that's holding that flat defender down near the line of scrimmage so that just took some time to come together you know i think what i want to see from him you know obviously started with that bears game and you know next weekend is those situations where he does have to sort of get through that progression thought process in the pocket where okay i I thought i was going to get this look and throw to x here but they've rotated you know, now I've got to go from, you know, Y to Y to F or, you know, Y to Z or do something completely different. You know, I want to see his decision making hand up, hold up in those moments. But as far as last night, you know, three of his throws were one read or for primary read throws. The other two were some decision making came into place. He did everything right and there was really no hesitation. All right, Mark, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors here and we'll come right back and uh, we'll spend a couple of minutes uh, talking about some of the other quarterbacks who we saw last night. So stay right with us uh, and we'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. 
Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, Giants fans, we're back here on Big Blue View Radio. And this is Ed Valentine talking with Mark Schofield about the uh, the preseason debut of rookie quarterback Daniel Jones on Thursday night. Mark, what I want to do, if we can, uh, and I don't know how closely you, you really watched some of the other quarterbacks last night, so I hope I'm not really catching you too much off guard here, but I just want to ask you a little bit about some of the other guys. Um did you happen to did you happen to see the the first drive of the game, the Eli Manning drive, not even drive, the the quick three and out? <laughs> yeah, that quick three and out with the one throw off of boot action into a check down. Yeah, I, I mean well, I watched that. And yeah, and, and I mean, here's, there wasn't much there. No, there wasn't much there, but and I don't know if the if the camera angle that you had probably watching that on TV showed what we saw sitting up high in the press box. But what we saw, as soon as we saw that play, as soon as we saw the play action, we thought big play because right. we saw Red Ellison, you know, running free, you know, 20 to 25 yards down the field without a defender close to him. And to us, that looked like an easy throw. And, and the press box reaction was, how in the world can that ball go to Scott Simonson for three yards when, when yeah. Red Ellison's running wide open for what could have been a 30, 30 to 40 yard gain? I mean, did you see the same thing that we saw? Yeah, I, I saw that same thing. And, you know, it does sort of bring to mind, in a sense, how last year started. I mean, you remember, you know, the, the check down conversations about Eli and is he being too conservative? I, wrote a couple of pieces about that very topic at the start of last year. And so to see him sort of, you know, potentially pass up a big play here to Red Allison to that check down in the flat to the fullback, it brought all that back. You know, it really harkened back to that time of the year. You know, from the broadcast angle that available to me, it's hard to know if Ellison was in the progression or not, but you'd have to think he would be given where he was on the field and the way that Manning was moving. So, Again, it's just one play, one throw, but given the bulk of work and the body of evidence to date, it's hard not to be like, oh boy, here we go again with this, right? Well, you're, I think you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, I do a post day after games called Kudos and Wet Willies. And anyone who's read Big Blue View for a while knows that. And, and I thank folks who, who love that post. I mean, a lot of people I know look forward to that post. So, you know, I enjoy doing it. And I've taken a little bit of heat this morning for putting Eli in the in the wet willies category, you know, when when he only played three snaps. And and my point was, you know, look, he only played three snaps, but but that's a throw that had to be made and I think what you were talking about is this has been the conversation about him for for at least the last year. And, and it just, you're absolutely right. It fed into that. It was just a, a really noticeable example, especially when you put it in perspective of the way that, uh, that Daniel Jones played. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's the other thing that's, it, that's going to be part of this conversation now because, you know, up until 
last night, it was a theoretical, well, how good can Daniel Jones be? Is he going to be a better option for this team? Now there's at least something to point to. Now, obviously, it, the free season is young, let alone the regular season is young, so we don't know. But when you have that sort of context, that added context of, yes, it's one decision, one throw on his only drive of the game, and it was the only pass attempt he had, you know, you could say it's nothing to worry about. But when you add in everything else to the pitcher and the added context of this was the discussion last year, the decision-making process from Eli Manning might be the issue to really focus on this year. I know people have made a lot about a dip in velocity and things like that. And while that may be somewhat present, it's all the more reason why decision-making is going to be vitally important for him. Because if you have to recalibrate how you play the position and the decisions that you make because of any drop-off in ability – all the more reason why you have to be extra careful with your decisions and have to be extra effective at your decision-making process. And so you put it all together, the play of Jones, the limited thing we saw from Eli, Eli last year, it does raise some questions right now about how soon are we really going to see Daniel Jones? I, I still think that it's going to be Eli to start, but does Jones's timetable get bumped up a bit as a result? Well, I think that, that the better, you know, my, my take on that is Eli Manning is the starter week one. He is the starter week two. He's the starter for, you know, for a while into the regular season. But the better that Jones plays throughout the rest of the preseason, perhaps the shorter Eli Manning's leash gets. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it might, you know, because if you would have asked me like after the draft or before training camp or anything like that, I would have said, look, it's probably a situation where they turn it over to Jones come the holiday season, you know, because at that point, you'll probably have been knocked out of playoff contention. So it's time to get the kids some live game reps. Now, maybe this gets bumped up from, say, December to pre Thanksgiving, perhaps, you know, maybe that short leash is going to eventually Make it so that, look, if Manning is continuing to struggle or he is struggling, you know what you have in Jones from the preseason, from training camp, from some of these preseason games. Why not just make the change? Because, look, you know, interestingly, we saw this when Jones made a missed a throw in, in training camp and people jumped all over it and Saquon Barkley jumped to his defense on Twitter saying that he was throwing it away. It does seem like the guys on this team from – Hearing some of the comments, they're believers in Jones already. At some point, the decision becomes who's really the better quarterback, not just for the future, for right now. And that might really push that timetable up and make that lease shorter for Eli, like you said. It gets more and more interesting all the time, and we'll see what happens over the next uh, over the next three games and the first the first part of the season. But Mark, let's. Let's do this. You know, we're not going to see a lot of the other guys. We're not going to talk about Sam Darnold today, but we're not going to see a lot of the the backup to the backup guys that we saw last night. We're not going to see them play, you know, any considerable regular season snaps unless it's an absolute, you know, disaster. But I did want to ask you about a couple of those guys. I want to ask you about Alex Tanny, first of all. I mean, people keep kind of shaking their heads, and I've talked to Tanny a couple times. I mean, this is a guy that's that's bounced around the league. He's been with seven or eight franchises, 
He's been, you know, since 2012. All that time, he's played, I think, one half of one game and thrown 14 NFL passes. But I had this impression kind of last preseason and again last night watching him play. And I'm looking at Tanny and I'm thinking, this guy is a competent NFL backup quarterback. Yeah. I certainly think he is. I think you saw that again last night. You know, the numbers were good. The production was good. The efficiency was good. The completion percentage was good. You look at the touchdown, similar RPO type design where he pulls and throws the slant route to Shepard, but delivers it with velocity, great ball placement. He's got a defender in his face while he's doing it too and gives his receiver a chance to pick up yardage after the catch. In this case, he houses it. And yeah, look, he he's shown that that sort of backup spot starter type, he has that ability. He might become a valuable commodity here as we get, say, two weeks from now because we're already seeing right now a conversation play out in the Philadelphia media market. Do we need to go get a quarterback? You know, because you have Nate Stuckel have the left wrist injury. Maybe he's out an extended period of time. We're here maybe six to eight weeks perhaps from David Chow, um, who's on Twitter, Pro Football Talk. Cody Kessler and Clayton Dorson didn't look like answers. And you're going into the season with those two guys behind a, you know, Carson Wentz coming off of an injury. That might not be a situation the Eagles would be comfortable with. And so a guy like Tanny or even Kyle Lawletta might be valuable, you know, say a week, two weeks from now. And so to see both of those guys, in particular, I think Tanny, but both of them play effective last night, I think might be big for this franchise because we don't know you got four quarterbacks, you're keeping three at most. And I think Eli and Jones are locked in at one and two. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So it's a spot potentially up for grabs at third spot if they keep three. And so one of those guys, maybe even both of those guys potentially could become valuable commodities here in a week as injuries start to mount. I do think that Kyle Loletta is a potential, you know, practice squad guy after one year in the league and only a few active games last year. But I did want to, you know, before we wrap it up, I did want to talk about Loletta. And I tweeted during the, uh, the five minute halftime that we had last night. And by the way, you know, I went to grab a bite to eat real quick. I don't even think players left the field. No, it was like old school. You get the orange slices in the corner from the cooler. Yeah, but uh, but anyway, what I tweeted was, hey, in the second half, we get to see Kyle Loletta square off against Davis Webb. Right. And, and my takeaway last night after watching Loletta play the fourth quarter and, you know, maybe just a, a touch of the third quarter versus the little bit that, that Davis Webb played when I think Webb went two for seven with two interceptions and, and Adam Gase got him out of there as quickly as he could. Yeah. My, my take last night was Lawletta looked like a much better quarterback than he did a year ago. And he certainly made the decision that the Giants made to, to choose him over Davis Webb. He certainly made that look good. Yeah. I mean, he made it look good. Um, like I said, he was he was effective. He was decisive. He did have the the one sack, but it was just a loss of two yards. I'm not too worried about that. Um, Webb, like you said, really struggled. And I, I think, look, it, it's not a bad problem to have when you've got four quarterbacks now that have shown at least for one preseason game, you know, a pretty good level of competence here. And I think with Lawletta, it was good for him because he, you know, didn't have the best 
preseason last year. It obviously had the off the field situation. So to see him sort of get into the mix and, you know, have the night that he did, I think is good for him. It's something for, you know, these three young quarterbacks, Tanny Jones and Laletta, all build off of, you know, with the nights that they had. Obviously, like we've talked about, it's Eli Manning's team to start, but I think all three of these young guys could be happy about where they're headed uh, as we head into the second week of the preseason. All right, Mark, as always, we thank you very, very much for uh, for spending some time with us. Why don't you uh, give folks the the rundown if you if you can i mean do you have it all written down on your arm all the places where where your yeah, work is it, available what was that movie memento where the guy had like no memory so he had to get tattoos of important things i should probably do that on the forearm here but you know first off ed awesome thanks so much for having me um thanks so much for you know, letting me do some work over at big blue view one of the places where i do some stuff um inside the pylon pro football weekly matt waldman's rookie scouting portfolio and a trio of SB Nation websites where I do things, uh, Big Blue View, um, Bleeding Green Nation, where I co-host the QB Sco Show with Michael Kiss, where we talk basically quarterbacks all the time, and Pat's Pulpit, where I write and now host the Sco Show, talking quarterbacks and all things Patriots a couple times a week. Oh, man. Oh, just so many places, Mark. It, so look, many it, places. You're, it you're... beats having a real job. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I, I guess it does. I'm familiar with that. I, I, I can certainly, uh, I, I can certainly go along with that. And we appreciate you chiseling out some time for us. So Giants fans, we, we thank you very much for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye now.